Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, to begin our study. Now the church at Ephesus, we read about this church, but we cheated. We went ahead all the way to the end of the Bible. And we looked in the book of Revelation, and they were the first church that Jesus addressed in the seven letters to the seven churches. So in the end times, when, when John would be given this revelation from the angel of Jesus, he said, write down these things. Write to the church at Ephesus, I tell you these things. Now, what did he tell them? Because I want to show you this, what we're studying, what Paul writes. This is written at least, well, a lot of uh, theologians, they put this book around 61 AD in the time that it was written. The book of Revelation was written by John the Apostle when he was on the island of Patmos in 70 AD. So nine years later. Now, let me just show you. The Lord had him speak to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? This is Revelation 2, verse 1. He says, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks amongst the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance that you cannot endure evil men. And that you put to test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But he says, but I have this one thing against you. Now this is Revelation 2, verse 4. They left their first love. You know, they start off loving the Lord. They find out Jesus died for them. God gave he so loved the world, he gave his son. They're like, oh, I'm so happy I got that gift of, of God's son. The salvation he made available. And they're fired up. But you give it a decade's time. And, and even though these ones were still doing good works, they were still enduring. They were still testing the apostles that claimed, or ones that claimed to be apostles, but were really false apostles. Yet Jesus said, he looked at their heart and said, but I have this one thing against you. You know, do you think Jesus really wants us to stay in that place where we love him? So he says to them, remember therefore where you have fallen from, verse 5 of Revelation 2, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming and will remove the lampstand from out of its place unless you repent. Yet you do have this, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So I commend you on that. And he who has an ear to hear, Jesus said, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And if you don't know, Nicolaitan is, Nico in, in Greek is rulers, and Laetan is layman. So if you want to just remember it for easy, the Nicolaitan is the guy that acts like he's the go-between boss, representing God or manager for God. He's not. That's God doesn't need him. God, ha God has his son. And his son made it so we could go direct. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me, he says. That's it. Just got to go through Jesus, not through other men. Isn't it interesting that within the church system that men would arise that would try to somehow say, I'll be the manager of these people. They don't really know what they're doing. And 
Now, the, the church of Ephesus, they were good in this way. They hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. They learned there's only one way to God, and that's Jesus. And they learned what we're going to look at in, in Ephesians chapter 2. And this is something good for us to learn, because if it safeguarded them from making that mistake, then I think we should pay attention to it. Let me show you it in Ephesians chapter 2 now. Let's look at verse 8. We read here, For by grace you have been saved through, through your mid-level manager, right? No, through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not, uh, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. For verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by those so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that, that you were at, at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is in the law of commandments contained in the ordinances that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. And he might reconcile them both into one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. And, it, and then he quotes, Paul quotes here, he's quoting Isaiah 57, verse 19. He says, and he came, the Messiah would come, and preach peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. And though, for, for through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of the household of God, God's household you're now part of. And having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the, the cornerstone, or we read in Luke 19, the, the chief cornerstone, which the builders rejected but in him in whom the whole building is being fit together growing together into a holy temple to the lord in whom you also being built together into a dwelling of god in the spirit we were before christ came there was a there was a separation the jews had had been separated out and now god says no longer separated because in the in, in the true Messiah, when the true Messiah would come, Isaiah gives a great prophecy. He says, when the Messiah comes, the Messiah will preach the gospel to those who are far off, meaning the Gentiles, and to those that were near, the Jews. When Paul writes to the church at Rome, he says, salvation was first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And he says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren. There's a great mystery that that God has taken the Jews, he made them, he called them as a, a people. He didn't pick them because they were so great. He says he picked them in the law because they were small, because they were 
puny. And in the Jewish people, there's not like any big Kareem Abdul-Jamar dudes. They're like all tiny people. God said, I did that because when I would be with them, I would fight their battles. And when the Jews would go to battle, they would go to war, God would be strong on their behalf and they would win. And the people would say, well, it can't be because of the Jews. Look how small they are. It's the God of the Jews. They always gave the credit to God because they look at the people and it can't be them. They're just tiny. Remember when David went up against Goliath? How David was just a little man and Goliath was that giant six cubits, I mean nine feet tall. And he goes up against him and he, and he says, look, David's just a little boy. Now when he won that battle, who gets the glory? God. God gets the glory. God did these mighty... Now everything that happened to them, happened to them for our example. God chose us not because we're great. It's by his grace we're saved. Through faith. But God chose us and he took the Jews that were... Well, Paul says they're the, they're the so-called circumcision. The ones that were circumcised according to law. And he made... There's a, there's a separation between them. See, the Jews started getting kind of... By the time Jesus got here, they were pretty stuck up on themselves. We're the good guys. We're the circumcised guys. We're in the elite club. We might be tiny, but we're elite. You know, have you ever run into people like that? They're, they're something special, but they're small. And they got a small little group, a small little club, and they act like they're, they've got it all. And God goes... We got to break that there's a wall that if they men do this they make walls around themselves this group doesn't want to be with that group the jews didn't want to be with the gentiles and god said no more because jesus came to bring down that wall and make the two groups into one they're all going to be one group and they're all going to be one group and who's the chief cornerstone of this whole this building be jesus and the building that is being built, he says, is to become a holy temple. A holy temple for what? The dwelling into the dwelling of the Spirit of God. God's Spirit is made... Well, Paul, when he wrote... To, we've already read this before, but in, in the book of Corinthians, he says, Don't you know your body is a temple for God's Spirit? God wants His Spirit to be with you. Now, if God's Spirit's with you, well, like it says in the scripture, if God is for us, who can be against us? When we have his spirit in us, his spirit is there, and his spirit looks after us. It says he leads us, he guides us. There's times when we feel alone, and the spirit's like, don't worry, I'm with you. Like the psalm says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. The Lord is with me wherever I go. That's a thing that we have to understand. Jesus did for everyone not just Isaiah prophesied it in in Isaiah 57 that even the ones who are far off were called near and the ones that were near he brought together he said you guys I'm putting you together you're going to be one group now and you're going to be one building for my spirit you are made to have God's spirit we were we were made to be his workmanship well what what does he want to use us for I mean it says, we're not saved by any works that we can do, lest anyone would boast. But did you notice verse 10? The first verse we, what we launched off this week, for we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now this is kind of confusing to some of you. They think, well, do I have to earn my salvation and do good works? No. You are saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. All you do to get a gift is take it. God goes, I have a gift of salvation. I want to give it to you. You say, I'll take that. It's a gift. You don't earn it. But when you receive his gift of salvation, you receive his son, he says, okay, I'm giving you my spirit to help you. And Paul, in the book of Galatians, he saw that they, the, the Peter and, and the guys in Jerusalem, they had learned that God's salvation wasn't just to the Jews. It was to the Gentiles. But Peter, you remember, had withdrawn from eating with the Jews. And Paul said, I had to go and oppose him to his face and say, that's not right. God says what, you, what he calls clean, don't you call unclean. You know, because the Jews got kind of snooty, like, do people ever get like this? Do Christians ever get like this? You ever run into Christians that are stuck up? Like, we're the special group. We're better than everyone else. We're making the same mistake. That's not right. God looks at all men. He, for God so loved the world means everybody. Not just you, because you're in his club. He loves everybody. And he gave Jesus for everybody. So that whoever, whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but come to repentance. He wants everybody to be saved. That's God. Peter wrote this, by the way. Peter actually would go on to write, it is God's will that none should perish. Don't think you can't do spiritual things. Don't think that you cannot do good works. Because we are created to do good works. We are his workmanship for good works prepared from the foundation of the world. God had it, a plan for us to walk in good works. So can you do good works and fall out of love with God? Yeah. We got to be careful that we don't, I don't want Jesus to write of me, you did a good job, you kept doing good works, you were fervent, you endured to the end, but you fell out of love with me. That's a pretty big, I don't know about you guys, but I think as far as the list goes, that's a big no-no. Yeah, you know that church on the beach, they, they fed the homeless for years and years, but they quit loving God. But they did good works. Forget it, if we don't stay in love with the Lord, you know why I think it's so important to stay in love with the Lord? There's a verse in the Bible, a very sobering verse to me. It's found in the book of Matthew. Jesus one day is going to take all the people are going to stand before him on the day of judgment, the great day of judgment. And he's going to be like the good shepherd. He'll separate the sheep from the goats. Remember? He'll put the, one, the sheep to the one side and the goats to the other. And to the sheep he'll say, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you, you came to me. You know, and they'll say, when did we see you, you know, naked or hungry? And he said, when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. And then he'll say, well done. Enter in. Enter into my father's rest. And they get to go in. To the other guys, he's going to say, when I was sick, you didn't visit me. When I was hungry, you didn't give me to eat. When I was thirsty, you didn't, 
you, all the same things, but they didn't do these things. And he'll say, they'll say, well, when did we see you sick? Same answer. When did we see you sick? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you in prison? And, and Jesus is going to say to them, you guys, you, you didn't do it to the least of them. You didn't do it to me. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. When I read that, I went, God, I don't want to be on that side of the room. You know, on the big day of judgment, I want to be on the good side with all the sheep, not on the bad side. And I never want to hear the Lord say to me, depart, I never knew you. So I started reading my Bible. He said, where is the verse that says, how we make sure that he knows me? Because if I make sure he knows me, I'm good. You know, I'm golden. I got. I, how do I know that? And I read and I read and I read. I did all the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. I couldn't find a verse. Till I got to the book of Corinthians. And I read a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 says in verse 2, If any man supposes he knows anything, he knows not yet as he ought to know. In other words, we're all still learning. Stay humble. But then the next verse says, But if any man loves God, he is known by him. And I went, oh, I like that verse. 1 Corinthians 8.3, that's a great verse. If you love God, God says, I know her. That's Wanda. Oh, that's Dot. That's Alfred. He knows all of us that love him. He looks right at us and goes, I know them. Because every one of us that love God, God says, that's my child. I, I, that's my kid. I know that. Can parents tell when they got a kid that loves them and does things because they love them? Or how about the kid who does what the parent says, but they don't love the parent? They just do it because they're afraid of getting whooped or they do it because they're trying to get favor to get the car or get to go out or do something. There's sometimes kids do things not out of love. They, they got ulterior motives. That's how some people are with God. And God sees right through it. I mean, the Ephesian church would go on to do great things, and yet inwardly, he saw right at their heart, they quit loving God. If you don't love God, you are in a bad place because the only verse I can find that guarantees that he will never say to you, depart from me, I never knew you, is 1 Corinthians 8, 3 that says, if you love God, then he knows you. And this is more important than anything I could teach you. If you don't make sure he loved, that he knows you, it's one thing to say, I know him. That doesn't get you in. I use the example of the President of the United States. Let's go to the White House and see if we can get in. You just walk up and say, I know who he is. Let me in. Does that get you in past Secret Service? They'd be like, buddy, you can tell me you know the president all day long, but that doesn't get you in the door. But what if the president of the United States passing down the hall and he looks out and he, he looks, hey, Alfred, oh, I know you. Hey, I know him. Let him in. Now, if, if, the, if the president did that, so I know him. When, when, the, when the president guy knows you and he says, 
Let him in. Let him in. Can he go in? Sure. And this is the same way it comes with God. When you want to get into heaven, you can't say, I know, I know God, I know God, let me in. He has to say, he knows you. And how do we make sure he knows us? We love him. We just love him, and he sees right down to the heart. They love me. Let him in. He'll never say to you, depart, I never knew you, if you love the Lord. But this church we're studying right now, this very church, will be the ones that fall out of love with God in just about nine years' time. It breaks my heart. I don't know at what point they fall out of love with God. I just know, I'm just using the time frames of when this book is written and when the next book is written. And just in that short, not even a, not even ten, a decade has passed. In a decade's time, they will go from being loving in loving the Lord, doing good works. They'll still be doing good works. Don't don't get me wrong. They'll still be a church doing good works. They'll still be judging prophets that are say they're prophets that are false and and calling them what they are. They'll still still hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. That's good. They they still do good. But what happened to their heart? And is that a safe place? A safe place to be. I'm not, I do all the good stuff, but I'm not in love with God anymore. Now the Lord has a cure for this. He tells them, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember where you used to be? He said, and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming and I will remove the lampstand out of its place unless you repent. You know what, guys? We have to be careful to guard our hearts so we don't fall out of love with the Lord. And if we forget, we need to remember, how were we when we first loved the Lord? When we were like, Lord, thank you for dying for my sin. Help me set aside any of my sin that would keep me from following you. Don't let me stumble. Let me stay true to you. Because today, are people falling out of love with the Lord? In, in churches, I'm talking about in the across America. Do you think the churches are very on fire and in love with the Lord today? From what we see in the American church? No. You know, Jesus said, will there be faith when I come? I mean, look at, look at, we're becoming, we used to be proud to say we're one nation under God. We used to have things about the Lord written on our, on our memorials and our buildings. And, and now they're saying, take those things down. That's offensive. Don't let prayer happen in school. Yeah, we were founded as one nation. Our forefathers would rule over in their graves. They saw how what how far have we gone and, and forgotten our first love? As a nation, we're falling away. Falling, our hearts are falling out of love for the we need a stirring. We need to repent and go back and remember how we used to be and return to that. That's the and by the way, that's the answer for when someone does get that, that heart that has fallen out of love with the Lord, you have to remind them. He said, say, remember how you used to be? Remember how on fire you used to be for the Lord? Remember how that, you just, out of just sheer love, you just couldn't contain yourself. You just, God, I'll do whatever you want because I love you and, and I know you love me. And Now that's a very good place to be spiritually because that place is safer for you than to be in a place of, yeah, I've been a Christian for 30 years, but I, I'm not in love with the Lord. I just do the motions. That is not a good place. 
That's a that's a that's a dangerous spiritual place. Because if they don't repent, he says, I'll remove my lampstand from from their midst. Huh, I got news for you. That doesn't make the place real bright when he takes the light out. He's given them a, a heavy warning to do. This warning would be really well presented to our American churches today. Repent and go back to what you knew when you were, remember where you, where you were when you were in love with the Lord. Go back to that. Because it's really easy for the heart to get swayed or, or hardened, get hurt. And then we stop loving, you know, we kind of, i got to protect my heart. I got hurt here. I got wounded. I'm going to, a little bit of callousing. What's the scripture say? The last days men, the, the hearts of men will wax cold or grow weary of well-doing. we got to guard this little thing, this precious commodity. This heart is meant to stay in love with God. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.